the Brooklyn Nets clinch a playoff berth. And Chicago, they go into Brooklyn and get the win by 699-93. Miami sends Brooklyn home. Jason Kidd and the Brooklyn Nets. Their season is over. But will advance in six games against Brooklyn. A disappointing ending to an up and down season. A return to relevance for the Brooklyn Nets. But the season comes to an end tonight in Philadelphia. He's over. The Toronto Raptors have posted their first ever playoff series sweep as they eliminate the Brooklyn Nets, a team depleted by injuries. Definitely toe on the line. And the Bucks with the 115 111 victory over the Brooklyn Nets. And a sweep. Boston. Four in a row. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Welcome, everyone, to episode number six of the Battered Fans. I am Daniel Granada. I am joined here by Cody Mallory. I love to watch people's reaction to that uh, intro just because it's just, it's like reopening news, the, the same scars over again. Because right? you get to hear that all over. It's been <laughs> a, a tough 10 years since they've been in Brooklyn. Yeah, man, I listened to that. made me a little sad. Now I got to talk about the Nets? Come on now. <laughs> but that's the whole point. We're, we're battered fans, but things are looking up, or at least we think they are, right? Like, that's how it's been the last couple of years. We think it's, it's the year, and then, you know, we're ready to get hurt again, as, as the intro says. Yeah, hopefully you're wrong, so, but... Uh... <laughs> For sure I'm wrong. Of course I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, I'm sure you hope you're wrong as well. One of the few times you probably hope you're wrong. So... Um, so thank you for joining me. Uh, do you, anybody that wants to, or maybe they, they probably already know you, you're a co-host in the Ethos Sports Podcast. You do the Nets podcast with two other co-hosts, right? Yes, sir. Anthony and, and Joe. You, and how often do you guys drop episodes? Uh, Off-season, we were doing once a week. We try to go after every game now. So usually oh, wow. between two and three a week. Sometimes we'll do the occasional four. Okay. And I know that you were telling me that you don't stay too close to the Barclays. But you do make it to a couple games a week. So I feel like that leads me into kind of what I wanted to start off with. There's a lot of – I thought that it was kind of dumb. But, you know, it's a story because it's the Nets. The season tickets. I'm not sure you've heard the talk about we're like you know, dead last for season tickets. And Do you really think that that's really that big a deal? Because I personally don't. But I'd like to take somebody – you live up in the Northeast. I live in Miami. So maybe, maybe I'm out of touch. Do you really think it's that big of a deal? Not at all. I mean, the story alone, like it's season tickets. I'm sure Joe Sy cares. I'm sure ownership cares. But as fans, we all watch the games. They're selling out regardless. Who cares if they're selling secondary market season ticket holders? Most season ticket holders sell their tickets anyway, so they don't go to every game. Um, and besides, like with the whole thing we went through with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving this past summer, they raised prices. Who in the hell would buy season tickets when we could have been watching Jalen Brown and who the hell else knows would be playing with them? So, no, it's a non-story, just the media bashing the Nets per usual. And it would have been more understandable if we didn't have the KD Kyrie drama or if we had that drama but the prices didn't go up. But if you have a price increase and you're not sure what product you're getting, who really buys a mystery product at a higher price? Like, it just doesn't make sense. If I bought a steak that cost $50 last time at a restaurant and it didn't taste good to me, 
but I'm going to give it a second chance, but now it costs $100. Am I really ordering that steak again? Probably not. So it, it makes absolutely no sense. So I also thought that it was overblown and made absolutely no sense. But for those of you that did buy season tickets, it's been a rough go to start the season. It's only been three games, small sample size. But we started off one and two. Now, I've seen people that are surprisingly overreacting. I personally think they're overreacting. It's only three games. It's an 82-game season. But I really haven't seen, outside of maybe your Ben Simmons opinions, I really haven't seen you uh, mention too much about the outlook of the team overall. How do you feel about the one and two start overall? Uh, I don't know why you're surprised that people are overreacting. I've been I've been in Nets Twitter, I mean, not too long, actually. About a year and a half, two years. Okay, and... about the same time as me because I'm relatively new to Twitter also. Yeah, I mean, I've had a Twitter, but I never really used it. I kind of just enjoyed the Nets by myself. Um, but like, here. Okay. Living, uh-huh. in, li- living in Connecticut, like most of my friends are Celtics fans, uh, a lot of Knicks fans, unfortunately. It's like, I need to find some Nets fans that I can talk with. So that's when I joined Twitter, and it's full of overreactions. Um, I mean, they lost to a Grizzlies team that was just on fire. I don't think the Nets no, played never beat. Well, right, which they've never beaten John Morant since he's been in the NBA. The last time the Nets actually beat the Grizzlies, Mark Gasol was their starting center. It was in 2019, and D'Lo was the leading scorer for the Nets. So, like, it's been for That was a fun year. Yeah, it was. But, (laughs) um, I mean, it's one and two. Obviously, coming in with question marks into the season, we had the Kevin Durant request. We had Ben Simmons. Don't know what we're going to expect. Um, I think all fans were kind of hoping the Nets would start off quick to kind of push everything in the past and not have it linger over the season. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. Um, the Pelicans kicked our ass, but the Pelicans are legit. They're a legit team in the West. There are no scrubs this year. Like, I would not be surprised if the Pelicans won the West. That's how good they are, in my opinion. They're deep. They're long. They have length. Like, they have good basketball players. Zion was tremendous. Um, and then they got the win against Toronto. Um, it was a hard-fought game. Kyrie kind of got hot. Nash left him in, so he went over 40, which I love because the Nets aren't – like, they're not just taking the season for granted, I don't think. No, I don't think um, so either. And then they lost a tough game against Memphis. I could have gone either way. The refs were horrible. Um, but there should be some reason for concern that I'm sure we'll get into a little later. Well, and, and speaking of that Memphis game, I, it was a game that was full of runs, right? We, we took a big lead. They came back. They took a big lead. I think if that game gets extended like another quarter or at least half a quarter, we make a run eventually and we take the lead. So I, I feel like it was a bad game because we lost, obviously. They scored at will, which is rough. They dominated the boards as usual. And Desmond Bain with his sidearm hook shots where he bulldozes his way to the paint. It's frustrating as hell to watch, but I have to respect it because it worked, obviously, for 38 points. So I think that although it was a, a bad loss, I guess because they scored so much on us, I think we could have won, even though the scoreboard doesn't maybe look that way. I don't think it was an utter domination. I thought it was an entertaining game overall. So I, I wouldn't overreact. I think the Pelicans was the only really serious loss. But we have the Bucks tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday, Wednesday evening, right before the Bucks game. Now... Do you think this Bucks game is significant or is it just another game? 
because I, I'm a little worried. Like if we don't, if we don't look good today, maybe I start to think twice about how things are going. Yeah, I mean, it's the fourth game of the season, so like I can't say it's too big of a game. Obviously, whenever we played the Bucks, I think of that playoff loss, which still stings in seven games. And obviously, I still think, despite the Celtics winning the East last year, I still think the Bucks are the team to beat. Um, they won't have Middleton tonight. They won't have Connaughton. Um, but still, like the Nets need to take every game like it's their last, in my opinion. Like uh, Anthony, Joe, and myself were talking about last night. There's very few easy wins left in the NBA. The NBA has a ton of young talent. So like Orlando, Detroit, even OKC, if their young guys are playing, they have multiple guys that are capable of going off and giving 40 on you. So like, especially the Nets who seem to struggle with young athletic teams, which is why I think they struggle so much with Ja. Um, They need to take every game seriously. And we see how important the regular season is after what happened last year. So I would say every game is a big game for the Nets this year. I I mean I could I could agree with that. I mean, and as far as there not being very many easy wins anymore, I could I, I could also get on that also. Outside of the Knicks, I don't see any really easy wins anywhere. <laughs> I, had, I had to throw that out oh, there yeah. for some people. The, Nets own, the Nets own the Knicks. Brooklyn owns I, New York, baby. I, I needed to be clear. We have forty three home games a year. Just wanted to make that clear. Real quick. <laughs> All right, so. Now, obviously, the topic of the first three games has been Ben Simmons. I threw it out there over the summer on Twitter, and a lot of people thought that I was silly for even suggesting it. But it wasn't because I think he he would be good in the position. But I suggested that Ben Simmons should run the five. Not because I want him to play center, but more because I don't want to see him on the court at the same time as Nick Claxton. I just don't like the way that that looks together. When Ben Simmons gets the ball at the top of the key and he picks up his dribble, it's like it's like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Everybody's just – it's all balled and out by the defense, and he's just lost. He, he can't shoot. They're sagging off of him. Nick Claxton can't help too much because he's down there. He can't shoot. It's, it's just – it's such a bad setup for a half-court offense to have Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton there that I just would like to see Ben Simmons at the five just for the simple fact that you get another shooter out there with him instead of having Nick Claxton out there. What do you think about the, the duo? Because I know as far as starting five goes, our starting five, I think statistically is like the worst in the league. Yeah, your efficiency rating is like a minus. I think it's 30-something, which is the worst among any five-man unit in the entire NBA that's played more than 30 minutes together. That's brutal. Um, Brutal. I mean, yeah, it is early, though. I just want to pump the brakes a little bit. They haven't played together ever. So kind of back to the first segment of not overreacting. But you're right. It has been brutal to watch that lineup together. Um, I I just don't know. Like, are you suggesting that they take Claxton out of the starting five? That's exactly what I'm suggesting. So, I mean, they would never do it because he's been. I know they wouldn't do it, right. Mm-hmm. But I think Claxton has been the Nets' third best player this year. I don't think it's been close. So, I agree. Ah. And I understand, like, the fit is horrible. I agree with you completely. Um, I think it's more of a Ben Simmons issue right now that hopefully he will correct. Um, I'm not going to overreact until we're about that 20 to 25 games played, Mark. Um, he hasn't played basketball. He's coming off a major back surgery. Like, And then even Nick Friedel said on ESPN today, 
that Kyrie Irving said after the game in Memphis that it's all in his head, it's mental, and that the Nets need Ben to be better and that they're going to continue to support him until he is. Um, so I don't think it's a Claxton problem. I think they can coexist. Um, I mean, the Nets scored 100 and, what, 124 points. Like, that's good enough to win on most nights. That's true. But now, they got to be better I, defensively. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no. I'm glad that you brought up the that we got to give them 20 to 25 games because I, I'm on the same boat. I'm a big-time Ben Simmons supporter. I, I got the whole Ben Simmons statement jersey already. Like, I've been rocking it with pride because I, I really think that he's going to have a big year. It's been a rough start, but I really think he's going to turn it around. But I will tell you, when you said 20 to 25 games, I'm on the same boat. Now, Black Friday, everybody knows, is the day after Thanksgiving, right? And the reason they call it Black Friday is because those retail stores go from the red when they're not making any profits to the black when they start making profits, right? That's the whole thing behind Black Friday. Well, as it turns out, game number 20 for the Nets is in Indiana on Black Friday. November 25th, game number 20, Ben Simmons needs to go from red to black. We need to have Black Friday. To me, that's the deadline. Like we, We're 20 games in. He doesn't have to look like an all-star, but he can't look like he has the first three games. Like, that's the deadline. 20 games, November 25th, Black Friday. Black Friday, please, let's look a little better. Like, at that point, I need to see it. Because if we, if I don't see it by then, something just needs to change. I agree. I, and it's like, I think it's easy fixes. Like Kyrie said, it's just mental. Like you said before, like, he can't pick his dribble up at the top of the key. Can't do it. That's You learn that in, like, middle school that you can't pick your dribble off at the top of the key um he's obviously a talented ball handler so it's not like he's struggling to handle the ball at the top of the key and that's why he's picking up his dribble it's just i think it's easy fixes he's got to be aggressive i was really hoping last game against uh the grizzlies when he went kind of coast to coast and ran into steven adams and kind of grabbed his lower back i'm sure you noticed that i, I was did. like this this is going to be a turning point. He's going to realize he can go into a big body like Steven Adams. Is, he's got to be one of the biggest guys in the NBA. Take a he's hit. A str- supposedly, and, he's the strongest. Right. Take a hit, and he'll be fine. And, like, yeah, he winced for a little bit, grabbed his back, but he was fine. So, I was like, this could be a turning point mentally for him. And then he was atrocious in the second half. <laughs> wow. You and I are obviously on different wavelengths. And I'm obviously really fucked up in the head and really battered. Because when I saw him grab his back, <laughs> I, the first thought that I went, I was like, oh, that's it. He's about to make an excuse and be like, I messed up my back. Got to sit out for another week. That's literally what I thought. And <laughs> I was relieved when he kept playing because that's what I thought initially. He started grabbing at his back. I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, if he's really mentally messed up and he doesn't want to play, he just got his excuse. That's what I was thinking. But to that point, later on in the game, he got that fifth foul early in the fourth quarter. And he, the first thing he did was he went to Steve Nash. He did one of these. Yep. He's like, no, don't take me out. Don't take me out. Now, Steve Nash took him out anyway. But to me, that was that was a breath of fresh air. Like, all the doubt of me thinking that he doesn't want to play or that he doesn't want to struggle or play through the struggles went away once he said, I know I got five fouls. Please leave me out here anyway. He wants to play. He wants to get through this. And because of that, that to me was the, the biggest – positive out of that game outside of you know Kyrie and KD showing that they still got it is Ben Simmons mentally still being in the game or wanting to be in the game and I think that that that's a good sign he's gonna get through these struggles because he wants 
to get through these struggles. Yeah, man, I completely agree. And you saw it again when he fouled out. He was pissed. He yes. wasn't like, oh, he wasn't like, oh, okay, that's whatever. I'll just go sit down and watch this game. Like, he barked at the ref. He got teed up earlier in the game. So, like, he's definitely engaged and mentally engaged, physically engaged. It's just he's got to be aggressive. It's a simple fix. Like, I don't understand how the Nets don't go over film and just stop it every time where it's like you don't have anyone within 10 feet of you. Go to the basket and just do that every single play for the game until he does it. I agree. I agree. And another positive, he was over 50% for the free throw line. I know it's only three for five, but I'm sorry. Three for five when you're talking (laughs) about Ben Simmons right now, that's a W for me. He went three for five. That's 60%. Keep giving me that every game. And I'm telling you, that has to play into his psyche. That has to. When he sees the ball go through the rim, he's like, you know what? I can keep attacking the ball. I'm not making every shot, but I'm making some of them. And I think that tonight against the Bucks, again, we're recording this before the Bucks game, he's going to be more aggressive. And if he can keep going three for five, six for ten, five for ten even, he'll, that's just going to help him feel more comfortable being aggressive. Because all those, all that doubt about him missing every free throw shot and being scared to go to the free throw line, that has to eventually go away when he starts knocking them down. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, the Bucks tonight, I mean, I think Ben's best stretch of basketball, including the preseason, came against the Bucks in the preseason. Granted, it was preseason, but yes. he played tremendous defense on uh, Giannis. Um, he was pretty aggressive that game. Uh, Giannis was the main defender on Ben for the most part, and the Nets had great action to get KD open off dribble handoffs or whatever, and I, I hope tonight's kind of a turning point and no one's better to do it against than Giannis. I know Ben has said in the past that he loves playing against Giannis. He loves the challenge and he's really locked in when he plays against Milwaukee. So hopefully maybe Black Friday comes a little early. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. Hey, I feel like every year the sales start early. So why not for us? All also? right. Yeah, That's I think it. I so, actually saw some online sales already. <laughs> see, there you go. It's, it's starting tonight. Tonight we're calling it. We're going from the red to the black tonight. And I'm going to tell you on that, Cody, once it happens. All right, I'll be well, looking for it. So tonight we got this game. Now it's the first back-to-back of the year. Now this was an interesting question that, I, that, that I've been asking people, and I'm kind of curious to see what you think. When it comes to back-to-backs, how do you think it's going to be handled? Now, because this is game four and five, I think KD and Kyrie are going to play both games. Still really early in the season. But there's five back-to-backs in the month of November. I'm kind, Do Holy you shit, think... I didn't know that. That's a, that's a lot of back-to-backs. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's five back-to-backs in the month of November. So with that many back-to-backs, do you, how do you think they're going to handle it? Now, I was talking to Mike Baselli last week on, on uh, last week's episode. And he thinks that they're going to play all of them. I think he's crazy. No way that they play all the back-to-backs. Do you think they're going to sit both of them the same game? I think Ben – okay, let me tell you what I think. I think Ben Simmons is going to play every game, all 82, or as many as he can play. I really think that. He needs it. But KD and Kyrie, no way. They split. One plays the, the first game, the other plays the second game. That's what I think is going to happen eventually. What do you think? Um. I think a lot of it is going to depend on how the Nets are doing to begin with. We kind of saw okay. last year at the, at the end of the season, like they didn't have a choice but to run Kyrie and KD into the ground. Hopefully, well, Ky- the Nets are. Kyrie needed to be run to the ground though because yeah. he took the first half of the year off. 
Right. Hopefully we don't get in that situation again. I no. would expect the Nets to be cautious with TJ Warren um, with when he comes back. With Seth Curry, yeah. who actually has a chance to play Saturday. Seth is going to practice mm-hmm. with Long Island tomorrow, and hopefully he can go Saturday. Oh, and okay. Then, I didn't know that. Yeah, it just dropped probably like 20 minutes before we started recording. Um, And then I think they're going to be cautious with Joe Harris. I would be surprised if Joe Harris plays tomorrow night, truthfully. Well, you know what, man? We need Joe Harris. Because Royce O'Neal, I love Royce O'Neal. But Joe Harris is shooting, even though it hasn't been there the first two games that he's been back, we need Joe Harris is shooting. That's why we need Seth Curry back also. I think the sharpshooting that that Ben Simmons needs to succeed, because once Kyrie and Katie go to the bench, we need Ben Simmons to run that second unit with sharpshooters all around them. Like that's how he's going to be successful, I think, with the second unit. And right now, Royce O'Neal, I think he's a good three-point shooter, but like he's an average three-point shooter. I don't think he's going to be far above average. So we need Joe Harris and Seth Curry back, and that's great news. What you just said about Seth Curry, because I had no idea. No, I agree. I actually, I mean, this is kind of backtracking a bit, but I think if the Nets are going to start Ben Simmons and Claxton, they have to start Joe Harris instead of Royce O'Neal. And like you said, it's not that Royce is a bad shooter. He's average to slightly above average, in my opinion, whereas yeah. Joe Harris is elite. Yes. And hey, man, Seth Curry. Correct. Just that gravity from away from, like, Katie and Kyrie that maybe you're not getting because of Ben and Clax will be huge. And I think Joe Harris has to be in the starting lineup. And plus, I mean, the one advantage he has over Seth, they're probably pretty similar for shooting-wise is Joe is 6'6", and Seth is 6'2". Like, you can't just make Seth Curry be four inches taller. It's not possible, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And and you know what? I, I had – actually, it's funny you say this because I had this debate with someone the other day. It, I prefer Joe Harris over Seth Curry simply because I think he's better at finishing at the rim. He's not going to dunk it on anybody. But I think when somebody closes out on him – He's better at taking it to the rim and finishing at the rim than Seth Curry is. Seth Curry will go pump fake and then take a couple steps forward and then take another mid-range jump shot. He he can do that. But I don't think he finishes at the rim the way Joe Harris does. I think Joe Harris has gotten a lot better at that. And as far as backdoor cuts and stuff, Joe Harris does that much better than Seth Curry, in my opinion, does also. So to me, I think Joe Harris brings a lot more to the table when it comes to playing with the starting lineup than Seth Curry does. Not to say I don't like Seth Curry because I love Seth Curry also. But if I had to choose one, because I know a lot of people have been talking like, oh, well, maybe we could trade Joe Joe Harris and we'll get um, this kid from Indiana, Miles Turner. You know, we could, I've been hearing about Miles Turner for years. That guy's not coming. <laughs> I've been hearing about him as long as we've been hearing about Dwight Howard. Like he's not coming. <laughs> so, I, if I had to choose, I'd choose Joe Harris over Seth Curry. I'm glad we have both, and I'm hoping they're both healthy soon because that that'd be a big deal. But as far as starting lineup goes, I agree. I agree. Joe Harris. Over Royce O'Neal, even though I like Royce O'Neal, because I don't know how this Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton lineup is going to work otherwise. I also think Joe Harris is an underrated defender. He's not good by any means. I'm not saying I get Joe what Harris you're saying. is a good defender, but he's not a traffic cone like Patty Mills is. And no. you can't. Look, sim- <laughs> Patty, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, but before I forget, Patty Mills and, and Dayron Sharp on the court defensively at the same time. Holy shit. That was rough, man. Yeah. The pick right, and roll I'm defense. sorry to cut you the off. The pick and roll defense was the trophy. Yes. But, yes. <clears throat> but Joe, like, you just can't simply shoot over him is what I'll say. Like, he's not a great defender. He plays hard. 
Um, he'll get you four or five rebounds a night. And if you think I'm crazy, look at his stats. That's what he's averaged like the last three years. I'm not pulling that out of my ass. Um, and I, I think everyone hates on him just because of that one playoff run where he shot the ball like shit at a very bad time. But no, he, he's done that twice. Streaks. He did that twice. In 2019, he did it with the, with the young Nets also. Yeah, but they weren't going to win that series. But yeah, I, I get no, your point. No, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. But I'm just yeah. saying, it, it's happened twice, unfortunately, with him. Yeah. I, but I love Joe Harris. Let me tell you something. When people suggest that we get rid of him, no way. Leave me one of the OGs. He's the only one we got left. Leave me Joe Harris. I'm a Joe like, Harris lover. As far as trading, I mean, I know this is way off topic, but as far as trading, like, bring it. Seth. Seth Curry provides more value for a team than Joe Harris does because most likely you're trading them to a rebuilding team. Like you're not getting a player off Milwaukee. Like they're not going to give us Bobby Portis. Like they're just not going to do it. (laughs) So you're going to Indiana, you're going to Orlando. um, You're going to teams like that, maybe Detroit or even the wizards have a bunch of bigs and Seth Curry's on a cheap expiring contract. That's what those teams want. They don't want Joe Harris locked in for two years at, I think he's at 18 18 million roughly. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. They want Patty Mills on his $8 million expiring contract so they can get off the money and move on with their team. That's what they want. And like Seth has said, that's why he's been traded so many times. Yeah. Um, He's a good player on a cheap contract that is now expiring. That's why he's here in the first place. And he actually said that on media day. He was like, I'm in Brooklyn because of that. So when there was the KD rumors, I was like, oh, I might be moving again. (laughs) I didn't hear that. That's what he, yeah, he said that on media day. So it's like, it's (laughs) just, it's what a team wants in a trade. Yeah. Um, You know, now that we're, we're, we're talking about trades and stuff, if there was a player that you would assume is just going to randomly just end up at the end of the bench, just randomly. Who would it be? Like last year, for example, I never would have thought that Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge would end up just riding on the pine. Like, I just didn't see that coming. Do you, is there anybody that you think is just going to end up on the bench just unfairly to an extent? I mean, unfairly. Well, that's why I'm saying no. to an extent because no. Blake Griffin, I guess, earned his spot on the bench at the beginning of the season. But I felt yep. once the middle of the season came and he would get his chances – he would produce, and I was like, man, keep putting him out there because obviously something's clicking, but he just never got out there consistently anymore. Yeah, I mean, my thing with Blake was he couldn't make a shot in the beginning of the year, and he got benched because of it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, that's I, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely should have played in the playoff series much earlier than he did, no doubt about that. But unlike you, I don't want to relive that. I'm trying to get it out of my brain. <laughs> um <laughs> Honestly, like he's kind of already at the end of the bench, and I think it's kind of unfair. Cam Thomas, I don't see yes. why he hasn't played at all. I mean, I think he's better than Edmund Sumner, who's like a great story and all. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Karis Levert, but like I think Cam is more productive than him. Um, but I think he's a Edmund Sumner is, is a better ball handler. I think that's why yeah. they, they put him out there because Cam fair. Thomas is a really I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like Cam, and and I love him forever for for making sure that we don't lose to the Knicks over there in February. But <laughs> but I think that that's why he's not getting those minutes because if you're not putting him at point guard to run the point, like who is he taking minutes from? Patty? Yeah, I would. I, I personally, 
I mean, yeah. I know Patty, you need him when you don't have Seth Curry. Like, he has to play right now. And I expect that Patty will, unfortunately, maybe get benched <laughs> once TJ Warren and Seth Curry are back. I don't, I mean, right. I think Patty's just going to be in that Udonis Haslam role. Maybe he'll play five minutes a game, 10 minutes a game, come in, knock down two threes real quick, and come out. Um, I don't think it's unfair that he gets benched, however, which is why I did not rec- which is why I did not say him. <laughs> I think it's deserved. And if he wasn't so close with like Ben, I would view him as a piece to get traded. Pat, it's it's gonna be crazy because Patty Mills led our team in minutes last year. So it's possible that he goes from leading the team in minutes to just being benched for the majority of the season. That would that would just ex- show how much this roster has changed in a matter of a year. But some of the pieces, I just, for example, Markeith Morris. I've, I've never been really a big fan of Markeith Morris. I don't see how he fits on this team. Like, I know that he's he can shoot, but he's an undersized five. Like, do you yeah. really think he's going to get minutes? Like, maybe he'll get minutes over Daron Sharp since Daron Sharp hasn't looked great. But do you, do you really want Markeith Morris getting significant minutes? So, I, I'm going to be honest. I think the Nets missed Markeith Morris against the Grizzlies. Oh, I think I don't think it's more of how good Marquise Morris is. I think it's more of how bad Dayron Sharp was. <laughs> Where it's okay. like, I okay, I'll give you that. The Nets need to address a backup center. Like they have to do something. I don't think Marquise is the answer, but I think he's better than Dayron. Well, I think that we've been Nets fans long enough to know that Sean Marks is gonna wait to get his backup center in February in the buyout yeah. market. That's what he's going to wait for. He did it with Blake, did it with with, uh, with LaMarcus. Like, I'm not sure who's who it's going to be. I don't want DeMarcus Cousins. Hell like, no. Nope. Don't give me DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know who it could be. Bring back LaMarcus Aldridge. I understand that when he plays defense, it's almost like he's playing with Tim's. But <laughs> I would really like LaMarcus Aldridge back on the team. I felt like every time he got on the court, he somehow put up 20 points. And I, I wouldn't even notice when it happened, but he just wouldn't miss his mid-range shots. It was automatic. And I would yeah. love to have that again, especially with Ben Simmons on the court. That'd be great. Like defensively, maybe not, but offensively, oh my God, that would be a great addition. And he's still a free agent. Now he probably hates Steve Nash. But <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't hate him. Steve Nash though? Yeah. You know what? I'm not I'm not big on, on coach bashing, but after that Celtic series last year, man. Did I start to hate that guy? Because when you have Dragic, Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, and Bruce Brown with Kevin Durant playing against Jason Tatum, uh, Robert Williams, uh, what's this other guy? I'm blanking on, on on Jalen Brown. It's like, man, do you not see the size of this other? Like, what are you doing? So yeah. I'm not big on on. At that point, I was ready for Steve Nash to go. I didn't think he was going to come back after that. I was surprised. Yeah, I'm kind of on the in the middle on Steve Nash. I, I think, like you said, I think he takes some unfair blame personally. Like the playoffs that they lost, he lost Kyrie. He lost. He basically lost James Harden. I know he came back, but yes. he wasn't. That yes. was not James Harden. I'm, and I will die on the hill that the Nets would have won the championship that year if they did not have. Oh, the as Lakers. will I. As will hundred percent. Without like mm-hmm. no question in my mind, they were the best team that year. Um, and then obviously the year the year after that he didn't have Kyrie, and then they lost James Harden, and then Kevin Durant got hurt, 
and then they kind of tried to throw everything all together for the playoffs. So, like, he hasn't ever had his full tool of players. And hopefully this will be the first year. And if they still suck, he's got to go. Well, you know what? I'm okay with that because I, I used to say the same things throughout the season. It's like it's not really fair. Kyrie hasn't been here. You know, they haven't had a chemistry, you know, all these things. But once that series got started, that he started playing some of those those lineups – the fact that he was so hard-headed and refused to put in LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin in there, like it, yeah. was, it was driving me crazy, especially Blake Griffin, especially after game three. Game three was a Blake Griffin game. I thought we were going to win that game when he came back, and we had like a crazy run. He was diving for balls, getting charges. I was like, this is what we've been missing. Why didn't you put him in sooner? And I don't even know if he played game four. Did he? Play, oh no, I think he might have started game four, actually. I think but, he played a little, yeah. yeah. But it, he, that's when I lost my patience, and and – that's when I felt like, you know what, he's got to go. And when when Kevin Durant said, you know what, it's me or Steve Nash, I was like, what the hell are we waiting for? I wanted that guy to leave. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. So talking about Kevin Durant, while we start winding down, Kevin Durant, usually the last two years, I'm really worried when he takes a hard fall and I'm like, oh, my God, is he going to get up okay? This year it's been different. This year – it's when the opposing team goes like on a run and they like show Kevin Durant's face. I was like, oh man, does he want to leave? Because like for me, everything is like he must be so frustrated. He's gonna get sick of this and want to want to leave again. And it's gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what? This championship window I think has shrunk to like this season. Like I don't know what's gonna happen after this season, but I used to think like, okay, he signed a four year extension. We have this window. Like I'm I'm to the point where I'm like. We got a one-year window right now. Like maybe it'll change down the line, but as of right now, that's how my mind is. Like we had this is our year. It's either make or break because with his frustrations from the previous year, if things don't get any better, I can't imagine he's gonna want to stay. Kyrie's a free agent; he can go and get paid in LA, like everybody's speculating. So I, I think this is this is the year. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of bring it full circle. I think that's why there's a lot of overreactions because everyone feels the same way where it's like, if this thing goes bad, it can go real bad, real quick. Yeah. So I I think, I mean, your points are fair. Like I think the window, I don't know, man. Like I've thought the window has been three years when these past three years, I, I don't even know what to expect anymore. I'm just taking it game by game. I don't care about a championship window. Just win tonight. You know what? And that, that's and that's a great way to look at it. I talked to my brother. My brother has I think he might rub off on me because he's one of the most negative sports people I ever know I've ever met. <laughs> so he might be rubbing off on me because sometimes I tell him, like, you know what? I'm a Nets fan, I'm a Jets fan. I don't get nice things. I don't get to I've never really had a greatest of all time on my team. And I right. tech, I currently have that. So let's just enjoy the time we have with it because you don't know when you're gonna get it again. Like, as a Nets fan, do you really expect to to have a LeBron James or someone like that just randomly sign with you? Like, as much as I hate to admit it, there's a better chance that they sign with the Knicks in the future than they sign with the Nets again, especially the way this is gone. So enjoy KD while you have him. Because the way he easily dropped 37 on Tuesday with Kyrie, I'm sorry, on, on Monday or whatever it was, like, that, that's something that we're enjoying in the moment. But because we're all so caught up with the fact that where it might not win a championship, we're really not enjoying what's going on right now. And not many people are going to get this. Yeah, I mean, 
they're gonna be gone sooner rather than later and if they go somewhere else i'm not even like requesting a trade like they're not young they're not 25 no no like, not at all so i mean i'm kind of with you where it's like enjoy the basketball like enjoy what kevin durant and kyrie irving and hopefully ben simmons like enjoy what they're doing because who knows how long it's gonna last and i mean i i've had the privilege of watching kevin durant and kyrie irving play in person a couple times and like it's insane i mean before i used to go to the barclays i would go for the opposing players like i would go when lebron would come there <laughs> i was one of yeah. those people where it's like yeah, yeah like, i'm a nets you. fan so like i'm rooting for the nets but Hell yeah, I want to watch LeBron James play in person. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'll pay an extra fifty dollars for my ticket or whatever it is. And it's like now those players, they're on the nets, like you said. <laughs> they're not wearing the yellow or white jersey. Well, sometimes they wear white, but they're wearing Nets jerseys. And it's like it's I don't know, it's just such a privilege to watch them play for the team that I've liked my entire life. That's how I view it. All right. And now that you said that you've liked them in your life, I guess I'll I'll wrap it up with this. Because I, I like I said, I have a different Nets fan on here every every episode, and uh, I'd like to two questions for you. Yep. Your favorite favorite Nets player of all time and favorite Nets moment of all time. All right. Well, Nets player, I'm breaking it down. I'm giving you two. I'm giving one in the Jersey days and one in Brooklyn. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, so for Jersey, I'm going with J Kid. Um, okay. He's probably my favorite basketball player of all time. He's actually the one that got me super into basketball. I was born in 95, so I was pretty young. And I had a guest network in Connecticut, so like I just watched every game. And I've played like AAU with basketball and stuff. And like I've never been like the super most athletic. Like I'm not sprinting by people or dunking on people, but like a high basketball IQ. And it's like that's why I love Jason Kidd. He wasn't the super freak athlete. He's the player that every kid believes they could be. And then for Brooklyn, um, I can't go with anyone on this current team. I just can't do it. It's been such a no, shit show I, every year. Yeah, no, for sure. Although eventually they might become it because they might give you some yes. good memories. But Right. There's, there's so. a possibility. But uh, I'm going to go Joe Johnson. Oh, I know you're going to go Joe Johnson. Joe Jesus. I just – I just loved watching him play. He was super clutch. I'll never forget his game winners. Um, uh, he was so every smooth time, with it too. Yeah. He was like, he gave me hope on that team, and it was not D-Will that gave me the hope. It was Joe Johnson. Same here. And it's funny you say that because the way you said that Jake Kidd wasn't very athletic, neither was Joe Johnson. Right. Joe Johnson wasn't wasn't doing anything flashy either. But he was just so – he was almost like a, like a Paul Pierce where he just yep. knew how to get to his spot – he was smooth with it, even though I hated Paul Pierce. Oh, my God. Let me ask you. I'll give you another question. What's the Nets player you've hated the most in your Nets fandom? I'll tell you mine, Paul Pierce. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair one. Everyone from that trade, like, I hated Kevin Garnett as well. <laughs> just because he was, like, they were just washed when they got there. Like, it's not But fair, I like Kevin Garnett. I used to like him back when he was in Minnesota, so I, I, I'm, I'm biased on that aspect. They were just, I don't know. I had such high hopes and like they were so washed and they were just so bad. Um, I mean, I try not to hate a player on the Nets while they're on the Nets, but I, no, I, I hated Paul Pierce, even when he was on the Nets. You know what? When he got that game winning block against Kyle Lowry against the Raptors when he won that first round series, I admittedly, I was happy. I cheered, 
but I was so upset that he got that moment in Nets history. <laughs> so upset that out of everybody to get that first Brooklyn Nets series clinching win, it was him. And that that's the the, the picture that they show whenever they talk about that series. So I actually I got one. It came to me. And it's the way it ended. James Harden, okay. man. Zero oh, respect. That's a, zero. That is, that is that is the that's the right answer. I, I thought this was respect. subjective. It's not subjective. There is one correct answer, and you got it on the money, Cody. It's James Harden. That is a hundred percent correct. I love I love him the first year. But you know what? I was so upset when we traded for him. So upset. I, I was yeah. I I loved Karis Levert. I loved Jared Allen. And I was like, this guy isn't going to work with Kyrie. And I was dead wrong. Yeah. Dead wrong. Because it worked. Because he came to be the point guard. But the way yeah, the way it ended. And then him should take – he. I'm sorry. He's one of the worst three-point shooters I've ever seen in my life. I don't care how, where he ranks as far as three-point shooters in history. It's all volume shooting to me. Because yeah. he was so bad. I felt like every time he pulled up for a three, it was going to miss. Like it, it was really frustrating. And real quick. To the point where you said you had high hopes for that Kevin Garnett, uh, Paul Pierce team. I went again. I live in Miami. They yeah. made it to the playoffs in 2014. Made it to that second round playoff series against the Heat. I got. I was like ten rows behind the Brooklyn Nets bench. Game one, I was so hyped. We swept them in the regular season. I, I that's it. I, I was like, this is our year. I couldn't have been more wrong. The way we got mollywopped game one. It was like, at that point, I knew I can't have nice things. I got smacked right back into reality, and we basically got – it was a gentleman sweep is basically what it ended up being. So I don't, I don't know if you remember that series, but that series was rough. Oh, yeah. I, I thought we had him too, but it was, it so was did I. a shit show. So. so what's your favorite Nets memory, and I'll let you go. I mean, they lost the game, but it's because I was there in person. It was the um, – it was the series against Philly, actually. <laughs> when don't tell me the Jared Al- the Jared Dudley game. It was the Jared Dudley game. <laughs> oh my god, I hate Jared Dudley. I'm like the no, only was... Nets fan that hates Jared Dudley. I was like right there by like where the oh, yeah? play happened. I was right okay. there. It was it was like the stadium was rocking. I mean, yeah, the Nets yeah. ended up losing the game. Um, yeah, I mean, but it was a fun game, and like, I guess it's oh, not it my favorite, game. like moment because like they won or anything it was just a really cool moment and i was there in person so like that's why i'm going with that no no for sure i I mean those emotions is kind of what you lean towards when you think of a favorite moment it's not what you saw but what you felt and i'm sure that being in that stadium at that moment it must have been absolutely wild and a lot of people say the uh, barclay center is always dead no fans casuals it's just a friday night out like no that stadium was rocking and well it has been ever since i've been going recently it's it's i went to the Cavs game last year it was like the second last game of the season it was rocking (laughs) i i think i think it gets overplayed i mean it's not msg and that's what everybody compares it to so right i mean when you when you do it that way i mean i guess when you do it that way most arenas don't really live up to that because msg is always full it it yeah, it's full of tourists most of the time, but it's full. So, you know, yep. what are you going to do? Great. All right. Well, again, Cody, thank you for joining me on this episode. Uh, we're going to get off now and hopefully watch the Nets get to 2-2 two and, two and beat the Bucks. Just to be clear, though, if we go 1-3, and three, 
It's not that serious. Philly is currently one and three. Miami is currently one and three. And I haven't heard absolutely anybody predict that they're going to have a horrible season or that they won't be a playoff team. So if we go one and three, I don't want to hear that shit either. Because nobody's saying it for them. I don't want to hear it for us. Well, with that said, again, it was episode number six of the Battered Nets Fans Podcast. Thank you again, Cody, for joining me. And I will catch you guys later. Thank you for listening. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.